Hello everyone and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud about film. We're still with Cinema Rediscovered uh, at Bristol. We've done three previous podcasts on it. One on Mark Fuller, interviewing him about uh, his research interests, and the walk that we did attend on Sunday and which we will talk about later. And then uh, we did uh, two subsequent podcasts covering the first three days of the program. So we're really going to focus on the last two days today. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to ask for general observations, Richard. Overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, it it's obviously a, it's a, you know, it's a smaller scale event than something like Bologna, much, much smaller scale. And it's a younger event because it's only been going, I think this is, this is the sixth edition. Um, I think the you know the selection of films was was interesting i think we had reservations about some of the choices but having now being able to look back over the whole program over all of those strands i i i think it worked really well i saw some really good stuff i saw some stuff i wasn't familiar with i saw some stuff i was familiar with but new restorations so yeah that's all it's all good and it was a nice friendly event it's very very good yeah i want to highlight that actually so I loved it, uh, I must say. Uh, I have, like you, I have lots of reservations about individual choices, and you know, we'll talk about that, uh, you know, some aspects of the programming and indeed the program itself uh, later on. But you know, I thought it was really wonderful. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic event, really well organized, really friendly. There's something about the scale of it that is very, very welcoming. Uh, and I also thought it had a really good combination of uh, films of, of many kinds, of uh, various strands of programming. I was really impressed by the community aspect of it, you know, that it seemed to draw in a whole community uh, into participating in the events, creating events, uh, introducing events, programming events, and I thought it was kind of almost a model of, of what can be done. I felt very jealous, you know, that Birmingham doesn't have, you know, an equivalent. Yeah, I mean, it felt, felt to me it was when you looked at the audience and you looked at, also looked at the makeup of the programming team and the people introducing the various strands, it seemed to be, you know, reflecting the, the diverse nature in all sorts of ways of, of Bristol as a city. Yes. I thought it was like really uh, impressive, both for what they managed to put on and then the way it, it was beautifully organized, everything ran like a machine, everything was on time, it was excellent. Uh, and also for that, you know, community feel about the whole thing. So I, I really loved it and I, I'm, I'm hoping to go back uh, next year. So we'll begin with Saturday's programming. The first film that we saw was Fury. Yes, yeah, Fritz Lang's Fury, which I, I really, really, really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I, I'd never seen it before. I mean, for me, that was like a turning point in the festival because mm. until then, I thought, well, I've been seeing really interesting films, but I haven't yet seen a great film. And actually, that was maybe more a reflection of my choices. I mean, there, there, there are three, at least three things happening simultaneously. You can't go to all of them. So maybe that was more a reflection of my choices than of what the festival offered, you know, but I did feel that seeing Fury, and we saw it in a 35 millimeter print, which was, you know, great in itself. And I thought, you know, this is like the first truly great film <laughs> that, that we saw uh, at the festival. Um, it was an extraordinary film to see. 
you know, with incredible sequences. Uh, the story revolves around Spencer Tracy as a man who, you know, wants to get married and, you know, he's in love and Sylvia Sidney's in love with him and she's gorgeous to, to watch. And he gets wrongfully accused uh, of a crime and almost gets lynched, i.e. The, the jail where he's being held and interrogated is uh, set on fire. And so the whole thing becomes about justice and the lynch mob in America. And it really is an indictment of America to America of the time that has, you know, particular resonances today. And you spoke about them. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, there's this extraordinary sequence where, you know, the, the jail is stormed by the crowd. And there, you know, it's not just redneck guys. It's it's the whole town. It's weird. There, There's a woman throwing a fireball and, and this kind of thing. A mob storm this civic building the, the sheriff then from within the jail phones the governor to get him to send the national guard and another politician vetoes sending the national guard so and you know and this is so, such an extraordinary um similarity to a lot of aspects of, of the january the 6th stuff in, in this in the states last year um and and the you know the subsequent trial is also you know, essentially, we were watching that at the same time as the, as this, these these congressional hearings are going on in the states. So it's, it's yeah, clearly when it, at the time it was being made, um, you know, there were resonances there with sort of after Lang had come to America from Nazi Germany. Um, so there were, the 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 idea, I guess, was resonances with you know the burning of the Reichstag and things like that. But it's it's fascinating that there are still these contemporary resonances going on with that too but there, there is a slight i can't remember who said this afterwards it's a slight sort of um what's the word dishonesty there there's all missing aspect there in the you know spencer tracy is 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 victim of lynching and at some point someone says oh yeah there were you know seven thousand lynchings over the last however many years in america and you think yeah okay there the, the, the were how many of those were lynchings of of white people and I mean, there are some black characters that you see briefly, but that aspect of of race, which really would have been a key part of that kind of story, is, is not there. But to give credit to Lang, you know, first of all, that film in the America of that time could not be made. It's as simple as that. Now, why it could not be made is, yeah, worth exploring. You know, yeah, the fact yeah. is, it could not be made. And I think what Lang does that is so subtle and brilliant is you know he introduces black characters before these events happen mm. yeah uh you know they're introduced at petrol stations and i think uh at uh, uh bars yeah it's like you know it's made very clear yeah that there's a connection between their presence yeah. and what's going yeah. to happen uh to to spencer tracy um and i just want to mention spencer tracy actually because you know, he is he was in his time considered the great American actor mm. of his generation. Yeah. Someone who was both, you know, uh, a top box office star. I somebody a little bit I suppose like Tom Hanks now, yeah. You know, yeah. who yeah. who was a great box office star, but also considered like, you know, maybe the great actor of the great film actor of his generation. You can see why in this film those moments where he's in love with Sylvia Sidney and, you know, and then, 
you know, how he turns vengeful and angry and gangstery and the uh, kind of all the gradations of emotion are kind of so uh, beautifully and, and powerfully uh, evoked. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah. great film and his is a truly great performance in, in the film. Yeah. And we, we should also mention the other huge star who appears in this film, which is, <laughs> as someone pointed out on Twitter afterwards, that um, so early in the film, Spencer Tracy kind of adopts this this stray dog who then accompanies him and, and, and is in the, in the prison with him. And the, the, the dog is, is Toto from The Wizard of Oz. Uh, this is two years before the Wizard of Oz, but interestingly, the dog the dog is named Rainbow um, in, the, in the film, <laughs> which is. Uh, um, but but yeah, so so you know, Spencer Tracy and one of the great stars of cinema are both in this film. <laughs> um, the next thing we did, or I did that day, was I went to the lunchtime talk because that was one of the you know of the strands of uh, the festival. They had lunchtime talks on you know several topics from uh, global women's uh, film heritage. Uh, to 20th century flicks, which I'll, I'll talk about uh, later. So the Strand on Saturday uh, was a movie's notebook, yeah? And the whole thing was about this new magazine that is being put out by movie that is like a coffee table book. It looks gorgeous. Uh, and, you know, it has an international distribution. And, you know, they were soliciting new writers and they were talking about, you know, what the purpose of this magazine was and you know why they had come up with it so in a world where everything is now digitized why come out with a, a print uh, magazine that comes out you know once a year basically um and you know what i enjoyed most about the talk was that it was almost full yeah um and it was it was full of young people right so, you know, and obviously, you know, they were interested in film criticism and how to do film criticism and how to write for it and, you know, how to get their foot on the door. And, uh, you know, it was just brilliant to see, you know, the audience and the audience kind of, you know, interacting. Right. So uh, I thought that was one of the, the great things that the festival, you know, was facilitating, which was like, you know, this connection between kind of young people and, you know, film criticism and also, of course, Mubi, you know, as, you know, the premier distributor of international cinema in the UK at the moment. Uh, so that was that was marvelous. And, you know, I, I hope uh, these uh, events uh, continue into uh, next year's program. So uh, what was the next thing that you saw that day? Uh, it was Redheaded Woman, so another pre-code, which I, as with the other pre-code, offerings I, I i enjoyed and it was a fun film but probably not the best pre-code film yeah i i must say i i mean you know gene harlow what's not to love right but i thought that was the weakest of you know the uh pre-code films the character that uh gene harlow plays is very unlikable <laughs> you know yeah i mean yeah. she i mean obviously she, gene harlow herself is very likable the character is very unlikable, you know. Uh, the plot runs a mile a minute. Uh, uh, I love Duna Merkel in it, by the way, as uh, you know, the sidekick. Um, but the tone is all over the place. Yeah, you can see why it was shown. It's a film that is almost like a casebook of pre-code don'ts, but that they did, <laughs> right? Uh, it's it's got the sex and it's got. Uh, you know uh, uh, the seductions and the you know the 
the not quite nudity, but you know, kind of very upfront about sex as power. It's a comedy, and it's a comedy that has a lot of laughs actually, but then that is also a kind of a bit jarring. Redheaded woman has a lot of similarities with Babyface, which we we saw the following day, and also to an extent with a Free Soul, which we saw on the, on on the Thursday. And so, in, in a way, the 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 choice of those pre-code films as kind of being thematically quite similar to each other. Maybe, I mean, because that's going to be a touring programme and may, maybe that's a good thing that people know what to expect, but um, but it, it might have been nicer to um, have more of a diverse range. I, I mean, I know they were choosing from um, a selection of new restorations um, that could be distributed. I, I enjoyed all of those pre-code films. Um, yes. I, I just think I you know, might have enjoyed, they, they sort of blurred into one a little bit. Yes. Um, great introductions, uh, though. Also, we should say by um, by Pamela and by Christina Nolan. Christina, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, Princess Tam Tam. Yeah. So this was a Josephine Baker film. Um, it was it was part of a strand which is called Paris. I think it's called Paris Noir. Was the strand? Yes. Um, and or Black Paris, sorry, Josephine and Beyond. Um, so films about the black experience in in Paris. Um, so the a Dessert for Constance, which we saw on, on the Thursday, was was part of that strand. And you know, if you're doing a strand about the black experience in Paris, Josephine Baker is you know, has has to be part of that. Um, it was not a. It was an an interesting film. It was not a great film. It was kind of pretty offensive. Although I I, I guess to an extent. Josephine Baker was creating her own image there. Um, but yeah, what, what, what did you think of it? I loved seeing it in the sense that I loved seeing Josephine Baker. You can see why well, she was a star. She's so, you know, dynamic and gorgeous and she moves beautifully. It was very interesting to see also, you know, such a direct and almost immediate influence of Busby Berkeley mm-hmm. on French uh, cinema. And on its own, I would have really welcomed seeing it. But, you know, being the fourth day that I was at the festival, you know, and it seemed to fit into, you know, my feeling, which was self-made because, you know, as I said, it's it's due to my choices. But nonetheless, you know, um, that I was seeing films that were very interesting for many historical reasons, but they weren't great, right? And I would have liked to have seen more films that combined both. Yeah, that there was a reason why you were seeing them now and why they were being restored, you know, but also that they were great on their own. And so this seemed to fit into that that pattern, you know, that was um, beginning to distress me, that, but, but that by the end, I uh, changed, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of films that I had not gone to see. So I had not seen Shanghai Express or The Cierta Manera, you know, or The Killer of Sheep, yeah, um, that I had seen previously, and that were great, right? So, so uh, you know, I kind of I want to contextualize my response within, you know, just to indicate this dilemma. So I did not go see Mabuse, uh, which I have not seen, so I can't comment on it. But, you know, I've seen Double Indemnity a million times. It's absolutely great. You know, but I went to see The Swordsman of All Swordsmen, 
which again seemed to fit that pattern, you know, that it was like, you know, a really interesting wuxia film. I understand it's an early example. You know, the widescreen color photography was wonderful. But the film itself, like, you know, yeah, people responded to it very positively, but in a kind of a campy, trashy yeah, manner. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. But as you say, it was campy. It was not up to the standard of the like the King Who films that we, we talked about um, mm. a while ago. Um, on the other hand, you know, it was entertaining. It was Saturday night. It was perhaps a good film for a big audience on a Saturday night. The, the audience enjoyed it, even if they were perhaps not enjoying it in the way it was intended to be enjoyed. <laughs> well, I think maybe it might have been intended to be enjoyed in that way. I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's a whole bunch of festivals which precisely find value in that kind of a response. I mean, I suppose my idea of a great film is not everybody's you know, idea of a great film. Not everything has to be fury. You know, uh, there, there are other sets of values and campy trash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen things at Fright Fest and, and um, they tend to get that sort of reaction. You know, people applauding kills and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's a way of enjoying film. It's fine. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to put that down. But, you know, I'm, I also have to be honest to my own responses, really, uh, which is, you know, I, I enjoyed watching it, but ultimately found it unsatisfying. Yeah. 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 Um, now, the next thing that I saw was Paris Blues, and that, you know, was almost the opposite in the sense that it's also not, in my view, a truly great film, right? But it was almost a great film. And for me, it was a discovery. There, were, there was moments where you, you would think Paul Newman and Sidney Poitier and Paris, and then the Duke Ellington score comes in, and I was almost like swooning right like it was just so fantastic right you know yeah, and so yeah. like the, the combination of the photography the composition the music and then the sight of those two stars pretending to play their instruments so well it was just gorgeous yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I loved it i mean it's not a film i was familiar with um oh I, I don't think i've even heard of it um so it was obviously part of as, as the name paris blues <laughs> implies it was part of the Black Paris season. So, um, as you say, Sidney Poitier, Paul Newman are jazz musicians in in in, in Paris, and, and actually doing a very. I was very impressed with how convincingly both of them were appearing to play their instruments. You know, as, as a, I used to play the trumpet, and so watching Paul, I was kind of watching Paul Newman to see what he was doing with the trombone, and was he doing the, was he breathing, was he doing the thing with his lips, and and it, and it was very. It was very convincing. He clearly was miming, but it was very convincing. And it was interesting that it looked like, um, I mean, it was clearly influenced by the French New Wave. Uh, so it's kind of a, you know, a glossy American response to something like Shoot the Pianist or, or that kind mm. of look of a film, that not mm. plot-wise, but just the, the, the look of it, uh, or breathless, perhaps, you know. Um, the, uh, and yeah, it's great. You, 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 these two couples, because you also have Joan Woodward and, and uh, Darren Carroll, oddly... Sidney Poitier and Diane Carroll on on screen make a more convincing couple than Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, which is a little odd. Um, but but yeah, it was it was, uh, it was re re really good. It just looked really stylish, packed audience again, quite a young audience who were all really enjoying it. Yeah, it was, it was great. I want to point out a few things. So first, you know, the credits said and introducing Serge Grégiani, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like typical American imperialism to have, <laughs> you know, 
the great star of Cascadeau, you know, and many other French films, then and later, you know, as being introducing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, was something. Um, the other thing, more of uh, a criticism, is the films making an equivalence between Paul Newman's desire to be a serious musician. Yeah, it's all about him um, fulfilling his artistic ambition. Yeah, it's all about him making art and figuring out ways to do it. And, you know, making that somehow equivalent to Sidney Poitier's exile due to racism. Yeah, and, yeah. And the yeah. moral dilemma that, you know, Sidney Poitier decides or love makes Sidney Poitier return and confront and fight the racism in America, which is then kind of done through love. Yeah. Which is rather yeah. wonderful. But to make that the equivalent of Paul Newman's decision to remain in Paris to pursue his art, it seemed to me to be like part of the problem with the film. They're not equivalent, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and kind of Paul Newman brooding all Brandoy about his art is not the same. I think that was a really interesting season as a whole, this, that, that uh, Black Paris Strand, because when you, you look at those, the, I mean, the, the three films we saw, so Desert for Constance, Princess Tam Tam, and, 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 and this one, they all kind of shine different aspects on, 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 on that experience, and none of them are perfect films, but they, you know, it's an, I, I found actually the way that, the way that strand had been put together, I thought was very interesting just because the films were so different and so contrasting. And it was a great program. And I think yeah. what's, and what I would say is, because one of the, uh, perhaps we'll talk about this a bit when we talk in general, but some of the strands at this festival are designed to turn into touring programmes of films. So um, the, the Europeans in Hollywood one, the um, pre-code one, and the um, women's stories in the global south are all going to be touring programmes. Um, which which is great, but it does which is you know, it's brilliant that it gets that impact. The downside is it restricts what films you can actually show because you've got to show films that are available to, to tour. Whereas this uh, Par uh, Black Paris season didn't have that remit, and so essentially ah. they, they they could pick a quite a diverse range of things without worrying about will we be able to get the rights to tour this around the UK afterwards. It was. I thought it was a great program, this one. And also, just the last word around Paris Blues, because for me, part of the joy of watching that film, aside from everything else I've already mentioned, is watching Sidney Poitier, you know, uh, because he's just so gorgeous and so charismatic, and he's so good. You know, just his vocal inflections, you know, as he's walking down, uh, you know, through Paris and talking to Diane Carroll. I mean, you know, just his vocal, what he does with his voice is a marvel to see. And, you know, I've always loved Sidney Poitier, but this is like just a rediscovery for me of how great he really was in this period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. another great reason uh, to see uh, the film. It, it wasn't billed as a new restoration, but it looked like a restored version. And so oh, yeah, I presume, of I presume this is, this is going to be maybe a bet on Blu-ray or whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's really worth seeing. So we're now on to Sunday, <laughs> mm. and we began with uh, the Cinema Walk. 
Yeah, we got up really early, and that's why we couldn't do a podcast because we yes. we had to get We're up early for the so walk. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this was one of two walks that Mark Fuller, who we spoke to the other day, was running, looking at um, kind of looking at the history of cinema in Bristol through the medium of an architectural tour, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it was great to walk through central uh, Bristol, you know, and to have the places kind of, uh, you know, you see an old building and you, you know, you see, I don't know, a Greasy Spoon Cafe, and all of a sudden it becomes the opticians that developed the lens that made possible X. So, you know, that aspect of it was really great and I really enjoyed it. Uh, we then went to see Chess of the Wind, which we'd already seen online and actually talked about as, as part of the Retrovato online? I, I think it was on the, the, the online Retrovato, yeah. And then it was also shown online at the London Film Festival in 2020. But this was apparently its first cinema showing in the UK ever, mm. you know, because the, the original, obviously, the, at the time it was made, it was never shown outside Iran. So. Mm. Ezan Koshbach gave a really good introduction talking about how the film mm. had come to be restored yeah. uh, and shown. Um, and I must say, it looked absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it was great to see it again on, on, on that big screen. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, I'm very grateful to be able to see things digitally, you know, but watching it on a big screen, you know, in that print with that color mm. was, you know, just sublime. And um, again, with a pretty full audience, all very attentive. Mm. The, the only real shame is that because Aeson was there for the first couple of days, and then had to leave, so they had a pre-recorded intro. Mm. It's a shame they couldn't have programmed it while Early it was actually in town, you yeah. know, because yeah. I think there were a few niggles like that with the program, which is, oh, couldn't you have just shifted this? Mm. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was great, and, and uh, I, th I think um, that's one of the rediscoveries that, um, because it came out, the restored version first came out during lockdown, it didn't perhaps didn't quite get the, the big push it would have got otherwise, because I, th I think you know, it'd be great if that toured around cinemas a little bit. Mm. Yeah, no, it was great to see. Um, the next thing I attended, so I missed Casablanca because, you know, I've seen Casablanca a million times, you know, and that's part of, you know, the European emigrate season, and that's true of The Killers, which was shown subsequently two great films, you know, by one by Curtiz, the other by Siodmak. Uh, but, you know, I had... I'm, I'm very familiar with him. So I went instead to the lunchtime talk in which uh, two of the people who run 20th Century Flicks, Daisy and David Taylor, uh, spoke about, you know, the history of 20th Century Flicks, which is the longest running video shop, maybe the only one existent, I'm not sure about that, yeah, but it's certainly the longest running one, uh, uh, in the UK. Uh, and last time I was in Bristol, uh, David took me through the shop. And I must say, it's just amazing, right? And, you know, they were so wonderful. It was, a, you know, they were both really charming and self-effacing, you know, in that kind of, you know, British way where, oh, you know, kind of we were just lucky or yeah, I just fell into my lap. I don't know what we did that others didn't do, blah, blah. But actually, you know, I thought they didn't, you know, I would have been a bit more American about, <laughs> you know, and kind of highlighted, you know, that they have a fantastic space, 
you know, they now have viewing rooms that people can rent, and in fact, I think that's how they make most of their income now. And they have an amazing collection of films and videos, m many things which you absolutely cannot get anywhere else at the moment. And of course, you know, what people can do is, you know, it, even if it's only on VHS, you can, you know, uh, rent the VHS, yeah, the VHS player and the room to watch it in if you want to, right? You know, and it's all very reasonable and you can see it with your friends if you're desperate to see something that can otherwise not be seen anywhere else. Um, and, you know, kind of one of the fascinating things they did was David showed a film of this computer program that had been developed for the shop, which then was also the model for I and early IMDb. So, so that was fascinating. Again, really well attended, you know, great community feel, you know, and, you know, done with great, great charm. Uh, so I was very glad to have, uh, to have been a part of it. Um, the next thing we saw was uh, uh, Babyface. Yes, yeah, so the, the the final film in the um, pre-code season, another another great intro from 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 Pamela Hutchinson, and this, I think yeah, this was the highlight of that season. Um, it's a you know in a way, as we said earlier, a shame that it was preceded by two films that were kind of very similar to Babyface, but not quite as good. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, a, a really 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 good film. Babyface was the last film I was able uh, to attend at the festival, and it was a real high point for me. I mean, you know, Barbara Stanwyck is just amazing. You know, the film is so unsentimental and, you know, upfront. I mean, Barbara Stanwyck plays, you know, a young woman who's being pimped out by her father, <laughs> who uh, reads Nietzsche, and, you know, decides to take faith into her own hands and, like, uh, sleep her way to the top. And rather than moan about, you know, her condition, you know, use kind of what she's got, which is, like, you know, a good body and a pretty face, and just basically, like, fuck her way to the top of the pyramid, which is what she does in the film. Yeah, right? like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Using men left and right, leaving them all, you know, suicidal and floods of fear destroyed. And this includes a very young John Wayne. You know, and that's its own pleasure uh, to to watch. Uh, so, I got to say, if you know, if Barbara Stanwyck had been playing an older version of that kind of character when she was in the Colbys, maybe the Colbys would have run for more than two series because <laughs> she, yeah, she, I think in the Colbys she was kind of this a bit of a ruthless matriarch of the of, of, of the family. But I'm just thinking how great it would be if you know Barbara Stanwyck in the Colbys is this like. 70 year old woman who previously has slept her way to the top and she's now at the top and uh, uh, that, you know that, that would be great uh, <laughs> so now you continued yeah uh, so i, I saw I, I in fact for reasons i'll, I'll go to I, I only saw one more film which was high noon um which was uh, was great it was a new restoration um looked amazing i was i mean it's one of those films you just assume i just assume i'd seen it but actually i'm sure i have seen it but i I hadn't. I saw it at a time when I think I didn't grasp it was all happening in real time. For instance, I was probably very young. Um, so actually, see, seeing it again on the big screen, huge audience, great restoration, uh, really, really worked. My only criticism is so in his intro, Mark Cosgrove pointed out that because it's in real time, 
if they'd started showing the film at 10.40, then um, when it was noon in the film, it would be noon. Um, and given they had a 10.40 slot when they were showing Casablanca, I think, why did you not swap those two films? Yeah, yeah, uh, because yeah. that would have been really nice just to, you know, oh, it's noon. Because it's on yeah. a Sunday. The film takes place on a Sunday, starting at 10.40. And the, apparently that Sunday was the 60th anniversary of the film's original release. So or seventy, I can't remember. But you, you know, that would have been great. But but no, it, it was it, it it was great. It really worked. Really 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 gripping. Um, the the next film which I had to miss because that was my only. I, I kind of suddenly realised I had no other opportunity to eat food, so I just went out and dinner. Um, but everyone, so even though I didn't see it, I'm going to mention that everyone was raving about this film, which is um, Forever a Woman, uh, which is a Japanese film. So a 1955 film uh, directed by. Uh, Kinuyo Tanaka, who's a, mm-hmm. a female Japanese director. Um, everyone, I was sitting in the bar and everyone came out of this film and they were all in a real state, real, real emotional state. And people were saying they'd never had an emotional experience like this in the cinema. Essentially, it's, it's the the film is about a woman who um, dies of breast cancer and leaving leaving two young kids. And it's, apparently, it's 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 amazing and completely devastating. I was told there is a season of her films at the BFI in August, and I think they're going to be touring around a bit. So that that's uh, one to to look out for. I think. Okay, well I look forward to that. Burning an Illusion was mm. also one of the films that showed, and I would highly recommend uh, yeah. that to to everyone as well. Uh, but the uh, festival ended with a quiz, which you it, won. It did. I was, so... Well, modesty was going to preclude me from mentioning that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was on a team with, with Andrew Moore, who's previously been on the podcast, and Matthew Turner and Tom Vincent. And uh, kind of to our surprise, we we, we, we won a lavish selection of, of prizes, including movie water bottles and some DVDs. So that, that was <laughs> a, a fun way to end the week. And I, I, I think that's one of the things I'd say about the event, because you've got these... Most of the events are going on in, in the watershed, and there's a very nice bar, cafe and bar in the watershed. And so everyone's coming out of that, and you do just bump into people and, and, and have those conversations. So, yeah, it's really nice. So that leads us to some comments on the whole of uh, the festival. Um, so I have two things that I you know, just want to raise. The first is that the short program, the one you carry around with you, yeah, to decide kind of what you're seeing that day, I think that could be improved, yeah? Because basically right now it gives you the times, it gives you the title of the film, and, you know, it's color-coded according to the themes of the program, right? And I just think it needs a little bit more information. It 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 just needs a couple of sentences about each film. It needs the year... The year, the director, whatever. Because I, I, I mean, I, I booked. You have to. You, well, you don't have to because you, you can book things on the day. But I'd booked for all this stuff in advance, and by the time I got to the place, I couldn't. Some of the films I couldn't quite remember. You know, what's a dessert for Constance? I don't, I don't know. Um, so, so yeah, it, it just needed something a bit more like the, like the fold-out calendar you get at Bologna. Well, not, 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 not as big as that. But and I'm not saying a whole catalogue, but just a couple of pages where it just gives you a bit more information about each film. Because actually, it's a, it's a double-sided thing. And, the, you know, one side of it is just the, the poster. So yeah, I mean, it, more information. It looks fantastic. But I, I think, you know, you, you definitely need, as I know, you know, I'm surprised they didn't. I mean, it's, 
seems to be fundamental. The director, the country of origin, and the date. That's basic. And that actually wouldn't even take up any more space in the program because you could practically do it on the same line. I mean, all the information is online. That, that's by the by, and I don't yeah. care. I mean, I think yeah. basically the short program, you know, needs to have the director and the date yeah. of the country. Yeah. Yeah. That's what orientates you. And actually, I also think it should have a line, yeah, kind of telling you why you should see this film. Yeah, because yeah, even, even looking at... It be more than a line. Because I, I, yeah, while we've been talking, I've been you know, re referring to that that timetable to remind me what I saw. But there are certain films where, you know, Araya, I don't know what that is, Chameleon Street. I, I, one second, I, I don't know. I don't actually know what these films are still because I didn't see them. And I, I yeah. Well, but I would say what I did like about, about this is that it gave very precise timings and the timings included any introduction that was going to happen. In yes. We only had one case where the introduction overran. Uh, yeah. But in general, you you knew how long you'd got between screenings, including the introduction you can have. So that that, yeah. that, that is re really useful information. Now, uh, there are strands. So, you know, we've talked quite at length about uh, Black Paris, Josephine and beyond, and about the pre-code. Uh, but there are other strands of the festival that we haven't talked about uh, as much. Uh, Briscoe, UNESCO City of Film. Um, yeah, there was The Walk, there was Cape Fear, and there was The Joker. Yeah, so actually we attended three of those four events. I mean, I missed Cape Fear, but I had seen it before. Um, so, you know, that I thought that was a really good strand. I really loved seeing The Joker. Uh, I loved that The Joker had uh, that connection. I really enjoyed going on, on, on Mark's mm. uh, talk. Uh, is there anything that you want to say on that strand? Uh, no, so I, think, I think it's nice to make that connection. It, it's, a, I mean, the, the the Joker. The connection was Henry Edwards, who was, was a, a local boy and, and, and starred. And one of the things we sh we saw on his father was an architect, and then on the walk on day two, we saw um, on, you know, what, what, one of the buildings that his father built. Um, the, I mean, in a way, so yeah, Cape Fear. Is it J. J. Lee Thompson? Is the I can't remember what the, what the connection is with Cape Fear and Bristol, I'm not sure. Um, but I don't know. We didn't go to it, so I can't yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a little bit tenuous, perhaps, but but uh, but yeah, I think it's good to, when you're a local festival, it's, it's good to make those local connections, I think. Yes. Um, so we all, there was also the strand of uh, films that were restored and rediscovered, and actually. We only saw a few of these, Chess of the Wind and The Swordman of All Swordmen. Uh, we missed the Dr. Mabuse, Chame Chame Chameleon Street, Burning an Illusion, and Forever Women. But I must say, on the basis of the two that we did see, you know, it was wonderful to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and certainly, as I say, uh, Forever Woman got was what the, the one film that I didn't see that everyone was raving about. So. Yes. Um, when Europe made Hollywood, uh, from sunrise to high noon, um, I mean, these were, um, I mean, my criticism of this, though, it's not really a criticism because, you know, I mean, I'm a film lecturer, right? So for me, these are films that are acknowledged classics that I've seen over and over again. And it seemed to me that maybe the programming for this was a bit safe. <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, um, I'd certainly never seen High Noon on the big screen. I, I may never have seen it at all. Fury, I'd never seen. Um, I was chatting to someone. I was recommending to someone they should see Chest of the Wind on Sunday morning, and they said, "Oh no, I'm gonna, and this was somebody who knows film." They said, "Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go see Casablanca because I've never seen that, seen it at, at the cinema." So clearly, you know, even though these are, you know, acknowledged classics and really, films that are not hard to see in general, they are hard to see on the big screen, perhaps. Yeah. And, and this is, I don't quite know what's going to be touring from that programme, but that, that, that is one of the programmes that's going to be touring. And, and actually, it's one where if you're, a, I can imagine my local rep cinema will, will would do quite well if they if they were showing that. Because the, what, what they get, as I understand it from the packages, they get the films, but also they get access to pre-recorded Q&As and that, 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 that kind of thing that they can put on yeah. there. So I think, um, I mean, you know, that would be my reservation. But then, of course, you, you must remember that like these films are not addressed at me. They are addressed at a general audience. And if you haven't seen Sunrise or Shanghai Express or, you know, Fury or Double Indemnity, I mean, my God, you really go see them, right? They're fantastic. Yeah, because uh, so... yeah, that's the thing. If you, particularly, if you, you, know, you may have only seen it on DVD or you may never have got around to seeing it at all. And, mm. you know, to then, if the first time you see it is a restored version on the big screen, it's, it's, it's a real treat. Yeah. Um, now, the last trend, and this is one uh, where, um, you know, we saw almost nothing, the women's stories from the global south. So shame on us. Well, I uh, saw... Um, I saw more, one more than you did, but that, but I only saw one. But uh, which was um, Sambizanga, which was was really was excellent. Um, and um, that luckily that that is another program that's going to be touring around. So hopefully that will be some of those. I don't I don't quite know what to be touring around from that. Uh, but yeah, that that was certainly Sambizanga was 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 really interesting. Again, it, it was sort of. Um, it's the difficulty of, 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 of putting your schedule together, isn't it? That, that we just weren't able to um, uh, to make make time for some of these. Um, the other strand, which we've not mentioned at all, and I don't think you saw any of it, was the Bell Hooks reel to reel yes. strand, um, which only ran on one day, and, and um, that's what the Killer of Sheep was part of that. Um, but yeah, so we didn't we saw none of that. Um, but you know, yeah, you, you can't see everything. You can't see everything. Uh... And, you know, overall, I must say congratulations to all the organizers. Uh, it was it was really brilliant. And, you know, it had that, that great combination of being, you know, absolutely efficient and also feeling homey and welcoming and community yeah, based. Yeah. And so I mean, there was, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there was one event that overran because of an overrun in Q&A, but only one event. And comparing that to how to any other festival I've ever been, we've to. been to. To yeah. manage to keep to time that way is 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 is, uh, is really really good. Yeah. So congratulations uh, to to everyone involved, uh, and I certainly hope to return next year. All right. All right. Well, this has been thinking a lot about film. Uh, we we have done cinema rediscovered to tw- 2022 in Bristol, and we hope to do cinema rediscovered 2023. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If I'm, if I'm allowed back after stealing the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye. Do not forsake me, oh my darling. 
Oh, my God. 